You're listening to SBS News. The oldest known example of a successful surgical amputation dates back 31,000 years. But in day-to-day life, amputation is not an experience that receives a lot of attention. National Amputee Awareness Week aims to spotlight the experiences of people who've lost a limb. Daryl Spark is president of Amputees New South Wales, an advocacy body and support community for amputees and their families. He says a lot of people have inherited an idea of what it means to be an amputee. Amputation has been around since ancient Egypt. It's one of the oldest medical outknown um, practices, um, so dentistry and amputation. Although a lot of people didn't survive amputation, um, it has been around a very, very long time. So, and there's, a, I guess, a sense of romanticism around what amputation means. You know, historically, most people encounter a pirate movie and see that there's an amputee. And we see even in our Disney programs and and television, and we see a lot of this fanciful idea of what amputation looks like and how people get on with it without modification. He says the reality for many people who undergo an amputation is a confronting experience that, at least initially, upends their life. But it's actually a really dark place and it's a, it's a really hidden place. We, we say it's a hidden community because amputation makes you want to retreat from society because now you're a spectacle. Now there's something different about how you look and how you move um, and how you live. And so it's quite, quite a, a heavy burden for any, any individual to carry on their own about how they feel about themselves and how they imagine other people feel about them. That's where organisations like Amputees New South Wales come in. Advocacy and support groups play a critical role connecting individuals and families to the community of amputees. Nobody really gets prepared. There's nothing else you do in life that gets you prepared for losing a part of your body um, in, in such a visible and highly impacted way. So uh, what we often do is get involved in helping them, reassure them that life goes on, that they uh, first of all need to deal with the stress associated with this unknown entity um, and how that they can find a pathway through that process without feeling like they're completely lost and alone. Melissa Noonan is the CEO of Limbs for Life, a national organisation that empowers amputees and their families with peer support, rehabilitation, prosthetic services and resources. She says there are some common fears and concerns when people first undergo an amputation. Often it's just day-to-day living and some really basic things like how do I get in and out of the shower? Will I be able to drive a car again? Can I return to work? You know, how am I going to be able to get around? So it's, you know, it's very grassroots things, but it's things that are important to all of us um, that, you know, you take for granted on a day-to-day basis that you just don't think of. Ms Noonan believes peer support is important to help people socially and emotionally through the experience, as well as connecting them with funding. She says the change in awareness in her lifetime has been notable. It's 20 years since I lost my leg. There didn't seem to be a lot of people out there and and we didn't really have a lot of data. But once we started to know, you know, we got the numbers. It was just, you know, almost choked to know that there was that many people um, in a similar situation to myself, but obviously many others that were amputees, but it, it was like it was hidden, it was under the radar, whereas I think, you know, you see a lot of other disability groups that have got really loud voices and, and for a long time ours has been quite quiet. There are a number of reasons people undergo an amputation, 
including trauma like a car accident or workplace injury, or cancer and other diseases. According to WorkSafe, Victoria alone saw more than 150 limbs or digits amputated last year due to workplace accidents. However, one of the leading causes is diabetes, and it's a condition that's on the rise. Ms Noonan says Australia has the second highest rate of diabetes-related amputations in the OECD. Caroline Koroneff is a credentialed diabetes educator and registered nurse. She says in any given year, about 5,100 Australians with diabetes will undergo an amputation as a result of complications from that condition. Diabetes can cause damage to blood vessels or to nerves, which stops people registering if their feet are damaged or wounded. If there is a wound that doesn't heal in time, it can lead to septicemia um, and to to uh, problems with, such as um, osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the bone. So the infection will just continue to travel further and further up the body. However, the vast majority of these amputations, about 85%, can be prevented through things like good foot health. Uh, to look after the feet, to prevent problems, it's important to watch out for any injuries, changes in feeling, uh, changes in temperature, uh, any any corns or calluses or, or areas of skin that are, don't look right, um, and to wash dry and moisturize the feet regularly to prevent cracking, because uh, cracked skin can add bacteria in and to check socks and shoes regularly, um, to wear protective footwear at all times, and the socks are there to, um, to get rid of any sweat and thereby minimise the risk of infections. However, it's an issue that continues to disproportionately affect First Nations people. According to Diabetes Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are almost three times more likely than non-Indigenous Australians to have diabetes. The serious consequences of this disparity were recently spotlighted by Tanya Hosh, Executive General Manager of Inclusion and Social Policy at the Australian Football League. In August, Ms Hosh, who is of Torres Strait Islander descent, stood to speak at the launch of the campaign for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. In terms of our health, we know that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people endure a burden of disease two to three times higher than non-Indigenous Australians. And now I want to share a deeply personal and real story about this data. It's too easy to speak of numbers without speaking about people and families and communities. A little over two weeks ago, I had my lower right leg amputated. And so, having left hospital, only yesterday, I'm standing here on one leg today. In her speech, Ms Hosh advocated for Indigenous controlled health care to improve outcomes. I have type 2 diabetes and I contracted a related disease that I have battled for three years and across six surgeries, trying to avoid the loss of my limb. I'm not without privilege and access to services, but still the service design let me down. Like Ms Hosh, the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Plan for 2021 to 2031 argues that self-determination is critical for closing the gap in healthcare outcomes. 
that gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in diabetes and in amputation rates is still large. In sharing her personal story, Ms Hosh has put the spotlight on an experience that often goes overlooked. For Daryl Spark, that kind of visibility is key to creating change. More can be done. There's more that has to happen. Just like any disability or any, any difference for anyone, there's an, ex, there's an element of recognition first. Um, and through that, we find a pathway to respect and, and collaboration to get that celebrated outcome of success and, and, and good life afterwards. Ruth McHugh-Dillon, SBS News.